Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome to a special Christmas edition of Steadfast. I am so glad to be with you as we celebrate Christmas evening together. As we do, we're picking up where we've been over Advent. Over Advent, we went through the beautiful carol, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence. And we thought about that journey from the problem we have, our, our mortality, the death we face because of our sin, to the solution. How Jesus gives himself and invites us into eternity with him. But here's the amazing thing that we recognize at Christmas. God cares about this world. God came into this world. And as he came into this world to save us, so too, even as we look to eternity, he calls us to peer back into this world. He's placed us here for a time. We, we live here. This is where he wants us in this moment in history. As we look into that, we, we say, what can I take from the eternity to come and bring into the world today? That's what we're going to be thinking about tonight and what we're going to be thinking about as we go on our annual 12 Days of Christmas journey that starts today. If you haven't already downloaded the new devotional booklet, you can do so now. And you can just go to littlehills.church devotional to do so. It's a free download. Feel free to share it. The point that we do it is to get it out and to give everybody a chance to really dwell on the meaning of Christmas together. So I hope you enjoy that. But let's start off by kind of setting the table as it were. We're going to be turning to the fruit of the Spirit this year, thinking about how God takes the different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit that he brings into our lives, that eternity breaking into the world. And then he gives it to us to give out as gifts, Christmas gifts, you might say. You think about fruit. We often give fruit baskets. Or maybe, maybe you get some other sort of gift basket for Christmas, or you give a gift basket. Maybe a basket of Hickory Farms, different summer sausage and cheeses and so on. Those sorts of things we associate with Christmas time. You think about those baskets, and they they hold all kinds of things. They have pretty grass or something in them to make them look look attractive, and they have pretty candies. But but really, where's the foundational thing for them? Well, if you have a basket like that, it's going to be the summer sausage and the cheese and the crackers, the things that make the, the beginnings of a, a meal with it. And then other things, like if it has some candied fruit or, or some cookies or something else that are stuck in it, those go along with it. They build on top of it. When we think about our calling and what we give as gifts to others, and what could be a better thing to think about on the day that we recognize the most amazing gift that anyone's ever given to us? As we think about that, we start with that foundational, that, that middle of the basket gift that God brings into our lives. And that's the gift of love. The very beginning of the, the list of the fruit of the Spirit, is what do we find? The very first one is love. When we start at Christmas Day, what do we find in our God? We find love. And so let's come before our God, the God of love, and ask that he would guide us tonight as we think about what he has for us on this Christmas night. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of love. Thank you for loving us, for being loving towards us, for caring about us enough that even though there's so many reasons why you should turn away from us, you don't. You love us. And Lord, thank you also for giving us the opportunity to show love to others. Would you help us this very Christmas night and in all the days to come to be those who show love to those around us? We ask this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Well, we're going to turn to 1 John chapter 4 tonight, if you want to turn there with me. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. When we think about what John is saying there, we think about the celebration that we have today, the, the birth of Jesus. It's appropriate that we also think about how we're offered to experience rebirth. When we think about Jesus and how he was born for us, Jesus was born into this world for us, that we could be reborn to be those who follow our God, that we were reborn for him. And, and so we see this birth of Jesus tied directly into the, the rebirth, the being born again that we talk about as Christians. The one leads to the other. You can't be reborn spiritually without a Savior who has given you a new nature. If Jesus hadn't come into the world, what could we, what could we possibly be reborn to? We talked last week about humanity 2.0, this idea that we can go and finally be the people we are made to be rather than people who have always experienced being those who are totally corrupted by sin, that we, everything we do, everything we experience has sin tainting it. Well, Jesus offers us something different, and thus it becomes possible to be reborn. And so when we celebrate the birth of the Savior, we celebrate his birth and the gift of rebirth that he gives all of us. And John refers to that here, that those who love, they are those who have been reborn in the spirit of Jesus. And we see there just how much impact God's love that he's given us at Christmas time has for us. Let's take a look at John 3.16 for a moment. This super familiar verse. We all know this verse, but just listen to it. It picks up where we were looking last week. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This comes right after Jesus is referring back to that incident of the fiery serpents in the story of the Exodus. When we think about that story, the, the first five books of the Bible, the people out in the wilderness, and, and how God rescued them. God rescued them because he loves them. God rescues all of us, everyone who has the opportunity to turn to Jesus because he loves us. And we see that so much more fully in the birth of Jesus. Sure, we can see that when God does something like rescue some of the people. He didn't need to rescue any of them when they were being attacked by those serpents in the wilderness. And we think of all the other times God has intervened throughout history, even maybe times we've experienced, he didn't need to do that. But more than anything we see that demonstrated is he comes into this world that this baby is born so that there could be a fresh start. And that's what we see in the Christmas story, that God doesn't just offer us something. He offers us a complete fresh start. Christmas when it feels fresh, I talked about snow last week, when it looks fresh outside, whenever it snows this year, whenever it snows and you look outside and it looks fresh, know that the fresh start God has for you is even fresher. When you look at how everything looks so beautiful when it's all decorated for Christmas, know that the beauty of what God has to offer you and me is even more beautiful. If you could take the best moments of today and replay them and they'd be fresh again, Many of us would anxiously do that. We we love replaying Christmas Day. Wouldn't it be amazing if tomorrow it were Christmas Day again and everything that was good about today happened again and anything that was bad, it went away. We just played the good parts. 
Well, God takes the bad in us, the sin in us, and he pulls out the good that he gifted us with, the things that he intended us to be, and he gives us a fresh start. It's not just a rebranding. Sometimes it's how it feels. We, we think about it. Okay, so I'm going to follow Jesus, and there's still the old me there. There's still all the things I, I did before that I, I wish I didn't do, the things that hurt other people. We say, well, it seems like I'm not really any different. I'm just rebranded. A number of years ago, after a, a horrible plane crash that seemed to point back to safety breaches in the company's procedure, we saw the the budget carrier ValueJet rebrand itself, and it at least somewhat helped it because it was no longer known as ValueJet. Everyone associated for a period of time, if you, if you remember that terrible tragedy, everyone associated the airline with the plane crash. And so they stuck a new name on it. There wasn't really any indication at the time that they radically changed who they were. They were still the same company. They just stuck a new name on it. What we need to understand about Christmas and what God's doing there, he's not just giving us a rebrand. He doesn't repaint us with a different color scheme or, or a new logo or, or a different font. He, he completely radically removes the things in us that are broken so much more. When Jesus comes into the world, it's not just a rebrand of, of here's a calling for God's people. It's a radical change in that finally the solution is here. Everything else look forward to it. And so God is building on all that he did before when Jesus comes into the world. But now he's here. God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. And so we see in that birth, that rebirth for us, and that when Jesus is born, everything changes. And that's what we see as we go on in 1 John chapter 4. Take a look at verse 8. John says, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus arrived because God loves us. Jesus arrived not because we love God, not simply because God said, well, maybe they'll accumulate enough value or enough faithfulness that I'll put my son in the world. Why did the father send the son? The father sent the son because he loved us. Full stop. That's where we are. And so we see that radical change. Everything changes. Because as John says there, God sent his son into the world. He sent his son into the world because he loves us. And he sent his son in the world to be, as it says in the text, a propitiation. There's a word that's a little hard to get out sometimes, right? What's a propitiation? Propitiation is a sacrifice. Propitiation is something that's offered up to make right for things. That's exactly what Jesus does. He, he lives the perfect life to make things right for us. He dies the death he doesn't deserve to make things right for us. And now, as he's done that, we can look at that gift. It's not a begrudging gift. It's, it's a gift that he gives willingly out of love. Sometimes we may receive a gift from someone, and it's because they feel obliged to give it to us. There, there's an event, a family gathering, a company party, whatever it might be, and you have to give a gift. And so the person gives the gift, and it's clear they didn't even want to give it. And you open it, and it's kind of clear that they didn't want to give it by what they picked out as well. It's not the kind of gift that we get from Jesus. Maybe you received such a gift today. But this gift is different. 
Jesus gave it willingly. Jesus gave it where totally from the beginning, the moment that Jesus entered the world, he came knowing exactly what he was going to do for all of us, and he did it willingly for us. And so when he says, here's this gift for you, it's not with hesitation, it's not with sarcasm, it's not with anger, it's with love. Now, what do we do? Well, if someone gives us a gift, we usually like to be able to give a gift back. Hopefully, when someone hands you a gift this Christmas season, maybe today as you were exchanging gifts, hopefully you had a gift to give back because that's what we do, right? Why do we do that? Well, in the best of cases, when it's not out of mere obligation, when it's not that begrudging gift giving, it's, it's because we want to respond with the care that someone's shown to us. And as we think about the ultimate gift we've been given this Christmas, then likewise we should ask, well, what can I give Jesus? What can I do in response to what he has done for me? That's something we should ask every day, but certainly a great thing for us to ask as we find us find ourselves on Christmas night. Take a look at verse 11 of 1 John 4. John says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his, per his love is perfected in us. If we love God, we show love. That's what he says there. And let's just look at that one more time. If you look at all the references to love here. God so loved us. We have one love. There's another. Two. Three. Four. He says it four times. I think John wants us to hear that he's talking about love, doesn't he? And as he does this, he says, what? Well, of course we should love God. But he says that we should love one another. So important. Because if we're going to be Christians, if we're going to be those who represent Jesus, represent Christ in this world, we need to look like him. We need to have some sense that you look at Jesus right here and you look at us and there's an association there. It doesn't look like maybe we're perfectly resembling him, but there's a family resemblance. And how do we do that? We do that by showing love. And again, this is where we get into the fruit of the Spirit. And as we look at the fruit of the Spirit of, over the next 12 days, we're going to see the different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. But why do we start with love? Because, as one commentator put it, when it's understood correctly, showing love, the sort of love that the Holy Spirit brings out of us as those who follow Jesus, it encompasses everything else that's in the fruit of the Spirit. It encompasses everything else we can show to this world. Just as what encompasses everything God's shown to this world it's love. He created the world out of love. He rescues the world out of love. And someday he will remake the world out of love. Maybe you've been listening to Christmas songs today. I hope if you're like me, you're going to be still listening to them after today. But in any case, we've all heard a lot of Christmas songs. And you think about these Christmas songs. Of course, you have the classics and you have both classic carols and things that were written in the last hundred years. But but were sung by various singers over time that, that we just associate with Christmas now. Maybe we don't hear them the rest of the year, but we still play their Christmas songs. And something that's interesting about that, I think, is as some of these artists have faded over time, we think of, say, a, a Frank Sinatra or a, a Dean Martin or, or, or any of these, these great singers of the past, Elvis Presley even, uh, you think about them, maybe... You, 
I don't generally listen to them the rest of the year. And I, I would imagine most of you don't spend a lot of time listening to them throughout the year, but everyone listens to them at Christmas time. The interesting thing about that, I think, is that parts of their sound that were present throughout their music, not just their Christmas music, we now associate with Christmas sounds. You, you'll see a, a contemporary artist, a, a, whatever genre, I've heard it in pop music, I've heard it in in country music, you can switch around genres and you will hear them imitating, say, the crooners of the 50s and 60s to an extent when they're singing Christmas songs. Why? Because we hear that sound, we hear the particular orchestration of it and the tone and the voice and so on. And because we play it every year, it has that Christmassy feel to it. Those things that have faded away from, from the the music scene, and yet we still hear them every Christmas. And so even today, as new artists record songs, they want to evoke part of that. It's that Christmas music sound. We hear that and think, ah, that's Christmas. As we think about our lives, as we think about our church, as we think about how we live as Christians, we want to do the same thing. Our lives often are, are being swayed to and fro by culture, and, and sometimes it's legitimate demands of our present world. Sometimes it's things that we shouldn't be falling into. But in the midst of that, we want to evoke that Christmassy feel. We want people to see us as Christmas people, just as we can hear a new song recorded today that points back to the past and we think there's Christmas music. When people see Jesus in us, they may not fully understand it, just like a, a modern ear may not fully understand why it was so meaningful for something to sound the way it did 50 or 60 or 70 years ago. And yet, and yet that tone's there. And so too, when, when we actually reflect God's love, when we are Christmas people, people of the one who was born on Christmas Day, there's that tone. It can be heard even when someone doesn't know him yet. It makes an impact and it gives a gift. And if we're thinking about how do I give Jesus a gift this Christmas? He says right here what he wants us to do. He says, look like me. Show that love to the world. And so that's what we're going to be thinking about over these next 12 days and the 12 days of Christmas. May it be our prayer that we really can be Christmas people. Would you join me in prayer? Father, would you help us as we wrap up this Christmas day and we think about the wonder of what you've done for us? Would you help us to be those who show that Christmassy feel and by that, what we really mean, not the trimmings, not the certain sound of the music, but the love of the one who came and was born on Christmas Day. Would you help us to show that to a world that desperately needs that love, that, that as they look at us, we would look like Christmas people, that, that we would look like you. Pray this in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Hope this was an encouragement to you tonight. I thank you for sharing part of your Christmas with me. Again, if you haven't already, please do pick up a copy of the devotional. It's totally free, and you can get it on our website, littlehills.church. We're not even going to ask for an email address. We just want you to have it. It's just a gift that over these next 12 days, we can study this together. And I'll be posting some more videos throughout to help us think about what we're reading, and I'll encourage you throughout leave some comments, talk about how you're applying it, how you are thinking about these things. But what we really want to do is to think, how do we show that Christmassy feeling throughout the year to the people around us so that people see us and they say, ah, there's someone who looks like Jesus. If there's any way I can be praying for you this day, please feel free to write into our texting line. It's 
356-4032. So great to hear from you. Or leave it in the comments. We can pray for each other. We can celebrate Christmas together. Hope you have a wonderful and blessed rest of your Christmas evening and a merry first day of Christmas. We will pick up tomorrow in our devotional guide with Christmas Day 2. Merry Christmas. Thank you.